0: Hey there, AR Nation. I've got a quick announcement I'd like to share with you. It's about an incredibly powerful, high-ticket marketing community that I'm a proud member of. It's called the Super Affiliate Accelerator. This program's absolutely for you if you want to be successful online, whether you're a beginner looking to get started with an online business, and also if you already have an online business but struggling to reach your goals. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is run by three experienced and amazing coaches. Between the three of them, they've sold millions of dollars in products and services online across all different industries. Why I find the Super Affiliate Accelerator so powerful is because of its unique all-in-one blend of a proven training program, weekly coaching and mentoring from an amazing group of accomplished internet marketers, and a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. For a limited time, the SAA coaches are offering a complimentary business strategy call. So whether you're a coach or consultant, if you provide professional services, or if you just want to start an online business, but you're confused or overwhelmed with where or how to start, I invite you to check out this incredible program, The Super Affiliate Accelerator. And you can learn more today by visiting Richardkiston.com forward slash SAA. Again, that's Richardkiston.com forward slash SAA. Now let's get to today's amazing episode. Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kisten. I am so thankful, so grateful that you're here spending your time and energy with me wherever you are in the world, doing whatever it is you may be doing. I truly appreciate it. I've got a small favor to ask if you haven't already done so. If you can head to wherever you get your podcasts, if you can share, subscribe, leave a rating or review, it'll do so much to help the podcast grow. And again, from the bottom of my heart, I truly Truly appreciate it. I don't know what you've been doing, but hopefully you're out and about. And if not, cool, because today we're going to talk all about movement. I have our, on the podcast episode, uh, Janice Isman. She's really a movement coach um, helping people overcome challenges or improve their mobility and movement and incorporate movement as I guess a focus in their lives to improve You know, just a number of different aspects of their life. Um, so we're going to talk about her journey there and all the ways in which she helps people today. So Janice Issaman, how are you? And welcome to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: So cool. So I want to dive right into it because, again, I, right before we hopped on on this call, uh, started recording, sort of shared that your website does an incredible, like the way you lay out your story. And it's fascinating because um, maybe the end or where you are now doesn't really, I, I don't know if that was what you anticipated from the beginning. So why don't you take us back um, where you think is a good starting point um, and, and where your story begins?
1: I laugh a little bit because no, this was definitely not the expected life that I thought that I was going to have. I was a very, very non I did not enjoy phys ed classes. I did not enjoy team sports. And although it's very important to give our kids a basis of movement, I wanted nothing to do with anything particularly that had a ball involved. So to this day, if you chuck a ball at me, I'm unlikely to catch it or hit it back. It's probably gonna hit the ground. <laughs> so I was not in any, any way, shape or form, somebody that was gonna get voted in my high school yearbook as most likely to own a fitness facility, become a movement specialist, have anything to do with movement, phys ed nutrition, any of that. That was not a thing. So I was an artsy kid. I was the yearbook editor. We get a picture of what that was like. In fact, I was actually literally without exaggerating the student who was sitting in my high school phys ed office, my high school phys ed teacher's office crying because my phys ed score was bringing down my academic average. (laughs) So I came from a farm small town we were doing all kinds of small town sports and that was my foundation for what sports and movement was and i moved to a city to start my post-secondary education at which point i discovered there was a little bit more to life and to movement than team sports so i had grown up with volleyball and basketball and the individual sport was gymnastics which (laughs) no one wants to see me do So I discovered running and because I came from this non-athletic background, I got injured running. Now, this is a common story, whether someone is or isn't athletic, but I got runner's knee. And that's a really painful condition that happens because we actually don't have enough strength in our hips. However, that's something I know today. That was not something that I knew when I was a university student as a teenager. So, I was young, I was literally a teenager and I was trying to incorporate fitness into my life for the first time. And instead what happened was that I ended up with a chronic scenario that nobody could figure out how to solve. So I went to the sports doctor and the chiropractor and a rolfer and a massage therapist. And each of those disciplines helped me until I started running again. And it actually got worse and worse to the point that I remember. I lived in a in a large house with a lot of different roommates because I was, you know, 19, and my bedroom was downstairs and I had to hang on to the railing in the staircase to walk downstairs and I was a teenager. And I remember sitting at my desk trying to study and my knee just throbbing. So this became a really non-functional situation. And I didn't know it, but it ended up setting off a lifetime obsession with feeling comfortable in my body. So I went from being not active, not interested, to interested and in trying to be active, and neither of those really worked for me. So I really today work to deliver the kinds of solutions I wish had been available to me at the time when I was suffering. So we have a couple of advancements in biomechanics and in knowledge and information, But I'm also packaging things together in a way that just aren't widely available because a lot of the health and fitness industry professionals come from a background where they're good at it, where it makes sense to them, where it's natural and easy, and it was their lifelong passion growing up. If you go into a big box gym, there's a 90% chance that the trainer standing on the floor was a jock. So I'm coming at it from the other angle where I was the opposite of a jock and I was trying to just feel better in my body, move around, maintain a healthy body weight. And I was hitting walls and barriers everywhere and trying to figure out what the heck was going on in my body. So it really took me 20 years to open a business doing this, but that's the fundamental genesis of where I begin.
0: Uh, yeah, we're, I definitely want to come back to that because there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, think about, you know, however many years ago now that this this one thing that seemingly let me ask you this, like when because this was in college, right? When you started yeah. picking up running yeah. um, just as a means of maybe to de-stress and deal with yeah. with college life. Like, why did you seek out or how did how do you think you ended up with running as opposed to something else? <laughs> yeah.
1: But, Um, I think it was a little bit of a, that was in the 1990s. And there was a little bit of a trend and a movement towards running at that time anyways. But I happened to live about two blocks from a running store and they offered free running classes and it was partly just the opportunity to people. part of a community so there were teachers and there was other people and it was all geared towards people who didn't run and so especially coming out of a small town where you know I could be inventing it but it seemed like everybody was good at volleyball everybody was good at basketball everybody was good at curling cuz I'm Canadian and I was good at none of it so for me I actually really gravitated towards running where absolutely nobody was good at it
0: got it yeah it makes that i mean even now this is just like on the side but on, on a side but same thing i think that's why the rise of like popularity with things like crossfit or so, because the community and also like the the, the welcomeness of it even though I, yes. I think the like number of crossfit injuries is out incredible. there's a
1: lot but yes
0: we can get to that so after college all right you start picking up running but then you have runner's knee Um, And you couldn't find a way even though you met with specialists and whatnot to to treat it. But again, as you shared earlier, your business now didn't start then because there were other things in between. You worked in fashion for a while. So why don't you tell us where your life took you there and and how maybe ultimately ended up ended back in uh, like movement.
1: Sure. So It was the 1990s, as I already mentioned, and it was before the years of what we would now call a vision board. But I I always had an interest in arts and visuals. I mean, I was the high school yearbook editor. So I used to take magazines and cut out little pictures of things that I wanted in my life. And I pasted them into a little tiny book that I carried around in my pocket. So the way that I, move past the runner's knee was a referral to something called pilates so we all know about pilates today but back in those days it was this very esoteric studio situation i walked into the studio and saw these really strange movements that were confirmed to my eye i'd never seen anything like that this was long enough ago that probably 90% 90% of people who did Pilates were dancers. So that community was really established, but really only for dancers. And again, lucky for me, the one and only studio in my city happened to be a couple of blocks from where I lived, but I had an instant response to Pilates. It made my body feel better. It actually helped my runner's knee It made me feel strong, which is ultimately kind of what I was looking for. And so I remember that in my little tiny book, I cut out a picture of a woman. She wasn't actually doing Pilates, but she was doing some sort of fitness movement. And item number nine out of 10 life goals was own a Pilates studio someday. And I carried that book around with me for 10 years or more and pursued a completely different life. So although I had put this in my little book as a goal, for some reason it didn't occur to me at that age to actually pursue it as a goal. I think partly because again, back in those days, the only way to train as a Pilates teacher was to go to New Mexico. And I was like, well, I'm not going to New Mexico. So on I go with my life. So I have a business degree. And I was lucky enough to do a co-op program. So I did a term of work and a term of school and a term of work and a term of school, etc. So I discovered that what I really, really, really loved was marketing. And I ended up moving to Toronto and getting a job at one of Canada's largest advertising agencies. That job was me on paper, I was their perfect candidate on paper, but I hated it. (laughs) So (laughs) what I discovered was that the aspect of marketing I loved was to nobody's surprise, the young yearbook editor loved magazines. So I niched down and eventually got myself a career in magazines. And from there, I niched down and started focusing on the fashion category. And from there, I ended up deciding that I had to move to New York City. So my last year in Toronto, in my fashion magazine career publishing job, was one of making a decision on whether I actually wanted to action item number nine from my list, because as it happened, the world's largest global Pilates brand is headquartered in toronto so i realized and i actually remember having this thought either take this off your list or do it because the opportunity is here and it's now and i was I don't remember, five or six years into that career. So I was far enough in that I wasn't trying to sort out how to do this new job and work with new colleagues or have new clients. I was established enough that I felt comfortable. I mean, I was an unmarried, unchilded woman, so I felt comfortable to work my day job and then get on my bicycle and ride my bike up literally a couple miles up a hill and then go take this, this class. It turned out to be about 800 hours of training. So I basically literally spent every single night after work doing this and it was just for me. So although item number nine said own a Pilates studio, what I really wanted to do was do my certification for me because this was something that I loved and that's really the start of what became that career shift. And it was not an intentional shift where I was like, I hate my job. I want out. This is sucky. I need, I need to pursue this. It was something that I was just doing because for 10 years that had sat on my list as this was something I feel really passionate about.
0: When you were examining that, and, because, and I ask this because for my own life, people in my life that I talked to about this, like there are goals that we can have and, and they they come up from time to time, but whether it's like, oh, I don't have the time, money, energy, I don't have the, the capacity for it, but I'll get to it. Was it. Do you think it was strictly that, that it was the immediacy of like the, the facility being there that you actually took up the training? Or if you can go back to that place in time where you're thinking about, hey, should I actually do the certification? What, what, what do you think the excuses that were coming up for you were? And not do it.
1: Well, actually, I would ask a better question. What happened the nine years before that? (laughs) Um, I mean, really, it did seem to me like it was the last stop where if I didn't do it now, when was I going to do it? Because I I knew I was going to move to New York. I knew that then I was getting further away from the opportunity. And I knew also that this was kind of a bit of a moment where, again, I wasn't restarting my life. I wasn't moving. I wasn't trying to make new friends. I wasn't trying to start a new career. I wasn't juggling having a new baby, et cetera. So it seemed to me like there wasn't a reason not to do it. And I can't actually recall having thoughts that I had to overcome. But like I said, the nine years prior, That was in my book the whole time, and I never actioned that. And I think that was the period where it always was. Well, I'm moving, I'm I don't have enough money. I need to focus on something else. And I think that I very much now today live a life that is based on do what you want to do now. Because you might or you might you might move. You might, a lot of things could happen and those things end up being less accessible later or maybe something that you don't even wanna do. But when those really strong feelings come over us of I need to do this, the sooner you can action that, the better off you are going to be.
0: I'm with you on that 100%. I think like when the emotion is there, fuel it, fuel it with whatever action you, you think you reasonably can. Um so okay, so you got the certification up and down a hill on your bike eight hundred eight hundred hours. Yeah. Um in, in Toronto. Then then your life takes you to New York. Were you still in fashion while you were here in New York or, or I was did you stop like here in New York?
1: Yes. So essentially I took my job, um, which was in the fashion media, and I took it to New York, where there's more opportunity, there's bigger titles, there's more happening. And so I would call that a parallel transfer i mean i moved from toronto to new york but essentially was doing the same thing just on kind of new york steroids
0: it's a real thing it's a real thing <laughs>
1: it's a real thing um so the, the main thing that really happened was because of the new york steroids the work hours became longer the expectations became higher. And I noticed that I was working hours that looked closer to 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., because it was a job that in New York City, I mean, it did in Toronto, too, but it was really amplified in New York. It, It required a lot of schmoozing and networking and evening events. And, you know, where Toronto might have one opening a week of a major boutique store or a fashion brand is having a party, New York would have three to five of them a night. So I was attending all kinds of events. I was really working harder. It was fun work, but I was working harder at my day job. And I noticed that those lifestyle elements did not improve. So needless to say, (laughs) I'm going to make a generalization, but fashion is not known for its health Halo. So both in the media and in the fashion business, there's a lot of champagne. There's a lot of canapes. There's a lot of smoking. There's a lot of, I, I don't smoke, but there's a lot of behaviors that are, that are not necessarily oriented to what my personal interests and passion were, which is, you know, Pilates and riding my bike and, and eating a vegetarian diet, etc. So, I decided to pursue a nutrition certification. And I found a holistic certification. It's now offered online. But back when I took it, it was live classes in New York City. And my intention was to meet people who had a common interest in health and nutrition. Because at that point, I was really interested in how to eat really well and i was working out quite regularly and then i had my pilates passion etc so i signed up for this certification so that i could meet some people and then i did it again with a technique called Yamuna body rolling and here i am you know 14 years later and i am a passionate advocate of Yamuna body rolling i also am a teacher trainer so i teach other instructors throughout the world i also am the canadian product distributor so i sell every ball that moves through the country of canada but at the end of it i took that certification for personal interest and to meet people (laughs) so i i kind of love that because i think that when we're talking about career shifts and even side hustles Quite often we talk about the intentionality and that it has to be this purposeful path and that we're walking into this with this grand mission. Well, my mission was to do something I loved, not care what I did with it at the other side and to end up with a social network of people that had common interests to me.
0: Yeah, I I was speaking with someone earlier about the the drive, in, in terms of our decision making, something that often gets overlooked, but really underlies most of our decisions, whether it's like health reasons, whether it's in business, whether it's in love or sex, whatever you want to call it, but it's like the the, the desire for for relationship. And so, like you said, it, it, you weren't putting pursuing passion or chasing passion, which I think it's a conversation I like having with people because it's almost like a red herring, right? Pursuing passion when you can still like pursue endeavors on this, like comfortably, but provided that you're the, the thing that is built into that is that like desire for community and relationship. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, I want to go back to, so you're in New York and you're, you're running these like 12 hour days, but you, you got involved in Yamuna. You're still pursuing you like you have this, did you look at the, your pursuit of Pilates and you know personal training or, or other movement moda- modalities as a way to de-stress and deal with the intensity of the work you're in, or um, was it just did you see the weight of the work and gravity of the work that you were doing in fashion as like I, this is not sustainable and tenable long term?
1: No, it was actually to balance it out because I felt like on one half of my life, there was this frivolity where I'm in party dresses and drinking champagne. It's not a bad life. (laughs) And then on the other side of it, actually, one of the things that I really do love about the fitness and health industries, it can be quite scientific. It can be quite geeky. You can learn all of your different anatomy functions and features and you can, get really in depth into that. And so I, I found it to be actually quite an intellectual exercise that really balanced out. And I'm not saying that fashion and media is not intellectual because it can be, but it just, it was, it was just a totally different role in my brain. And it was feeding my, you know, go back to high school, the, the, uh, the, a plus student piece of me just really i mean i felt like learning was one of my personal passions and hobbies and it actually still is i i'm happy with a book or a podcast that's part of why i'm on your podcast i love a podcast i can learn something new and i can you know the inner student in me just loves loves learning things so i think i found it sort of both sides of my brain were just totally lit up by by doing that so some people have hobbies where they they like knitting or they like doing music i liked taking courses
0: your life ended up going back to canada like it what did. was what was that decision making what what drove the decision making because from there that's where my i guess like the what my my body couture is now sort of found its genesis so How did you end up back in Canada and what was what was going through your life and mind at that time?
1: Well, that's a fun question. So I don't recommend this to to others, but it's what happened in my life. I ended up having a baby. I do recommend having children, but I ended up having a baby. And that was really the genesis of of returning to Canada. The piece I don't recommend is that I changed careers, jobs, cities, and countries while I was acclimating to being a new mother and then opened a bricks and mortar business that that part I wouldn't necessarily don't write that down It seems
0: like a lot in one shoe. yeah
1: that <laughs> was a lot. It was definitely a lot. um but essentially i I really looked at the lifestyle I was living in New York City, and much as it was really satisfying on a lot of levels, personal, professional, etc., I had actually left the the business about a year prior and wanted to actually transition. Um and it was just a bigger task than I could handle at that point. And so I I went back and I was working again for Harper's Bazaar and then I had a baby and really looked at it again. And this is a very individual choice, but I recognize that I am a lone parent and I was a lone parent when I gave birth to my child. So being on my own was going to mean that I needed to hire assistance. So I was going to have to get nannies. I was going to have to be the person to make those phone calls to the pre-pre-kindergarten so that my child could end up going to college later. Because in New York City, it, it's definitely, you have to go to the right pre-K, the right kindergarten, the right elementary school, and on the path goes. So really entering that parent competitive parenting market and being on my own and then hiring nannies just didn't really feel like The kind of life that i wanted to take on i was living in the west village and in a 300 square foot apartment so i knew i was gonna have to move so there was just a lot of changes that were gonna have to happen in order for me to sustain that and my sister lives in canada so i ended up moving to the same city where she is and then i had some help i had family members around and i was able to I gave myself no choice, really. Quite frankly, I had (laughs) the the career change was was imminent from that point forward.
0: So you're back in Canada. Um, How did you get started? I mean, you had you had certification. You've been like this was you know a good chunk of your time while while you were in New York um, with taking classes on nutrition, more, more movement and fitness. But there's one thing be- behind theory. And then there's another thing doing the thing. Yeah. So h- how did it all come about and how you decided that you, how you ended up moving forward and in, in
1: what capacity? Well, because back in the days when I lived in Toronto, because I had a full-time job, I recognized immediately that I could not work at a gym or a studio. So from that point in that moment, I actually literally posted signs in my condo building advertising that I had private services. So I actually already had client experience. I knew what I was good at. I knew what I enjoyed. I knew what kind of results I could get for people. I knew how much to charge people. So my business degree actually came in handy as did the fact that my parents were farmers which is you know they're entrepreneurs so that piece of it actually came very naturally to me and it was also a little bit forced because having a second job meant that I couldn't go do a traditional career path for someone else who might have taken the same training
0: i want to i want to dive now into like the actual movement itself and so you shared that pilates was big for you back while you were in college and throughout, you just, there was something that really resonated with you um, and Pilates, but can you share what you think that is?
1: I know this now, but I definitely did not know it then. Pilates is about strengthening at the joints. So instead of using those bigger muscle groups, we're using the tiny ones around the joints. So it gives strength in the tiny little muscles in the body which means you end up with great posture you end up with a kind of really integrated strength as opposed to something like running where you're going to be working those quads over and over again um and so i it actually just made me feel strong but also open and stretched and lengthened and that was just a feeling that i really liked in my body and at the time when I started, I couldn't have told you that, but I had, I subsequently after my initial exposure with Pilates, I did a lot of weight training and it never really made me feel that same sense of, um, live power. So weight training actually always made me sort of feel compressed and tight and Pilates had that same same sense of I can carry bags, but I'm not squished and compressed.
0: So in your capacity now, as the owner of My Body Couture, you, you provide classes both in person. I, well, I don't know if Canada right now allows in person, but uh, but there was a time in person. Uh, Half but the also,
1: time, I don't know either.
0: <laughs> but also virtually. So if you can share a little about the kinds of work that you do and kinds of clients that you connect with, whether in person or virtually.
1: I work mainly privately with people. So 90% of my clients, even more than that, actually are private clients. So I opened a studio that is a few hundred square feet. It's super tiny. And the idea is to replicate the experience that people used to get when they would come and and do this work with me in my apartment. And part of the reason for that is because I'm working with people who largely don't go to the gym so i definitely have some gym goers but it's it's not the vast majority of the people that i'm working with and the people that i'm working with typically are triggered by the same kinds of things that i described to you with running so you know i had runner's knee and i was going to different professionals to find help for that so i get a lot of people with sore backs sore knees sore hips sore shoulders whatever what have you i can help people that aren't in pain, but that's usually the kind of moment that people say, oh, I need to go see someone. So what I'm doing is taking a combination of disciplines, which are really going to decompress and lengthen the body and adding disciplines that are going to add those strengths. So an example is I use yin yoga, critical alignment therapy, or yamana body rolling, which are going to give you length at your joints. They're going to pull everything apart. So if you think about, um, one of those decompression tables where you hook your feet in and hang upside down, that's what we're going to give you all over your body. And then on that base of really open joints and open space and a great posture, then we're going to use Pilates and maybe yoga, maybe some personal training techniques to give you strength back around those joints so that everything kind of holds. And that sounds like a really long process, but most of my clients can go from pain to no pain at all in two hours. So by that third session, they're out of pain and then we can either release them and they can go back to CrossFit or whatever, whatever it is after that third session, or they keep working with me and do more of the strength building work with me.
0: That's super awesome. Um, I, what, for someone who's, if you were to speak to your yourself back in college or so who said, I, movement or physical activity is just not for me. It's just not who I am. Knowing what you know now and your experiences, what would you tell, again, your younger self then, but also people who are in the same place where physical movement or training or so can seem a little intimidating?
1: That's everybody. I mean – of people in North America don't even have a gym membership. So end of the 15% or so who do, let's be real. There's a small number who actually use the thing more than twice a week. So I do work with a lot of people who don't enjoy going to the gym. I actually haven't had a gym membership myself for 12 years, I would say. So movement is not fitness. Those are two separate things. Our bodies are meant to move. We used to have to move just to get food. So humans used to spend 85% or so of our caloric intake just going to get more food. We had to hunt. We had to gather berries. We had to plant things. It was a lot of work. And now we live in a society and a time in history when we basically sit on our bums for (laughs) somewhere between 12 and 16 hours a day. That's where, how we work. That's how we consume entertainment. That's how we talk to our friends, et cetera. So the idea that really underpins my work is forget fitness. Let's get movement into your life. Because if you're sedentary and you're literally sitting for 14 hours a day, you're going to end up somewhere on the chain, shortening your life, being in pain, not experiencing things that you want to experience and so my goal for every client the first question i ask them when they walk in the door is what do you want to do so we talk about their hobbies we talk about their career ambitions we talk about their travel ambitions and i've heard answers all over the map from i want to garden i want to play with grandkids i do have high-level competitive athletes to people that just, you know, they want to just feel alive. So that's what we're really trying to get back for people.
0: Yeah, that, That's super powerful. And uh, thank you for sharing that because I want to know, like, what's what's your message? And that's really important to help people move to get alive. Janice Hissman, I want to thank you for sharing your insight and your experience here. Um, I'll definitely link up my body couture on the show notes. Um, do you have any parting words as we wrap up?
1: I think just go to my website, check out what you see there. What I do is really, really unique because I basically took that creativity I had as a kid and I combined all these different modalities into something that's completely unique. There is nobody who does exactly what I do. So go check out my website, follow my social media pages and drop me a note if you have an interest in my business
0: very cool Janice Essiman thank you so much mybodycouture.com definitely link that up in the show notes and until next time Air Nation, take care be well bye for now hey there AR Nation. before we go I wanted to remind you of the super affiliate accelerator Whether you're looking to get started with an online business or if you're struggling to see the traction you've been hoping for in your current online business, the Super Affiliate Accelerator can help you see the success that you want in your business and in your life. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is an all-in-one, high-ticket marketing community where you'll get access to proven training, weekly coaching and mentoring from seasoned and accomplished marketers who sold millions of dollars in products and services online, as well as access to a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals right now the saa coaches are offering a free complimentary business strategy call so if you're ready to build a strong and profitable online business and brand take advantage of the complimentary business strategy call today and learn more about the super affiliate accelerator by visiting richardkisten.com forward slash saa